Yo, what's up? It's Aiden Jones here. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 6th of September, 2022. <laughs> you good? You doing okay? You in the mood to make a little little silly noise with me? Your friend. Ooh, fuck, and that's, that is the sound of the summer for me. Ooh, so good, isn't that? Oh, you guys doing well? I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're happy. Where you're at, I hope you're relaxing. I hope you're not sweating. I would not want that for you if you are. Oh, my God. Someone's riding past. Jesus fucking Christ. Mm. I don't have a tea today. I have a coffee. <clears throat> I'm in Paris. I'm out in the open in the world. And uh, I'm in a graveyard, as it happens, because my man Nico who I am staying with in Paris uh has a one bedroom place in uh Kremlin Bicetre that's the name of the area Kremlin Bicetre Kremlin Bicetre um it's cool man he told me the uh history of the area so apparently it was a, it's a town so it's outside on the southern side of the um the perif the peripherique the ring road that goes around the center of Paris um, it's just outside that. So it's like a suburb or whatever. Um, but it used to be a town that the city, you know, swallowed up like 200 years ago. But the reason it's called, uh, is because the town was called Bicetre, but then there was a pub called the Kremlin, like the Kremlin, because, uh, I think he was saying like a bunch of Russians used to always come through here and that's where they would stay at this pub and it was like a huge pub. And so the area ended up being called after the pub and the town and it's like hyphenated. And so people just started calling it that. That's kind of cool. And then like the street where he lives now, um, that's the street that the pub used to be on. And I was like, Oh, what happened to the pub? Like, did they knock it down or something? He was like, I mean, yeah, like 200 years ago. I was like, fucking hell man. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. That's just, there's so much time, isn't it? Like, I mean, I feel like something like that would be the origin of a place name in Australia, but the pub would still be there, you know? Whereas over here, they're like, yeah, it was called that. And then that was 200 years ago. And now it's not even that or the thing that that turned into. It's like a different third thing or whatever. Like, I mean, it's not, now there's like a huge shopping center called, uh, Okabe because ka is k and be, if you say kabe it's like kb it's like the you know initials of the thing so now the shopping center is called okabe i don't know why or why it's not just called kabe but anyway fuck so many different permutations of ways to call a place you know like in 200 years time they'll be like what's that oh, that area is called okabe because it used to be called kb and then people shortened it and then there was this big shopping center and they're like, what happened to the shopping center? Like, oh, it fucking burned down, you know, when the Russians invaded in, in, uh, 2035 or whatever. So much history. Anyway, <clears throat> but that, the reason that that's important is, um, that my friend has a one bedroom flat is that there's nowhere for me to record the podcast because he's working from home. So I've come to this, uh, beautiful cemetery and uh, I'm recording here. I'm talking quietly right now because there is an old couple pushing a pram walking past me. And I don't want them to hear what I'm saying. Now I wonder if they can hear. I wonder if they can even speak English. 
God, this is so... I hate this. I hate it. I hate it. I fucking hate it. Why do you have to be in the same... They're walking so fucking slow as well. It's like, you're old. We get it. Fuck off. <laughs> Why are you pushing a pram? <laughs> Surely there should be an age limit between the ages of people who are allowed to interact with each other. There's like an age of, you know, like there's like rules about like who you're allowed to sleep with, but there should also just be like, it's too creepy if you're 80 and you're pushing around a fucking baby. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all. <clears throat> they're grandparents. They're clearly grandparents. They're just too old and they're walking too slow and they walked past me and it made me uncomfortable while I'm trying to record my podcast. I have a lot of shame right now about doing this in a graveyard because there's like a sign it's a beautiful, oh my God, why are all the best parks in Paris graveyards? Why are all the most beautiful places reserved for dead people, you know? Um, I, uh, I walked into the gate and there's a bunch of signs that's like, no running, no this, no that, no whatever. Basically like no enjoying the space because you have to respect it or whatever. Um, I mean, there's no sign that says, there's, there's not a sign that says no podcasting. <laughs> Uh, I also don't have a tea because I couldn't get a tea. I just, it's all fucking, it's all fucked today. I have a coffee because I could, I went to the place. I, fe the, I found a place that did takeaway coffee and I was like, do you have a tea? And he was like, nah, but do you want a coffee? And I think something about like, I mean, my French is shit. It's really shit. Like I can't say anything really. I can say, can I have that? Or how much is that? Or. Or I can say, which means, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I can say a few random obscure things to impress people. But then other than that, I can say like, you know, je veux acheter ça. I want to buy that. Combien? De l'eau chaude, hot water, you know. Un petit peu encore, a little bit more whatever, a few fucking bits and pieces, but it's like, I really have to think about it, so when I'm walking to the place, I'm going like, avez-vous du thé, do you have, do you have tea, avez-vous du thé, avez-vous du thé, emporté, that means to go, do you have a tea, and then I want it to go, avez-vous du thé, emporté s'il vous plaît, and then I get there, and I say that, and he's like, nous n'avons pas du thé, uh, voulez-vous un café, do you want a coffee, and I'm already thinking too hard about the fucking, the tea thing and I'm porté. So then when he says, do you want a coffee? I'm not going to be like, no, because if you say no, that means you've got to say more stuff. And I just want to get out of the conversation without fucking it up. So I go, yeah, I'll have a coffee. And now I'm sitting here with a coffee and I already have one coffee. Today, and it's the second one. And I'm just realizing how I, it's important to have a tea it's so much more chill a coffee is just an intense drink you know a tea is like a like a, a delicate archaeological dig a coffee is like a jackhammer plowing away the pavement and a tea is like going in with one of the you know the little toothbrush to see if there's any ancient glassware or pottery under the ground and a coffee is just like that's what i feel like right now Oh, look, there's a car coming up. I wonder if they're going to tell me to stop podcasting. It'd be really funny if I got told off right now. Um, because I just wouldn't know. I mean, like, if, if if I'm not comfortable just, you know, <laughs> saying that I don't want a coffee, how comfortable am I going to be if someone's like, <laughs> Do podcast. 
<laughs> I'm going to be like, yes, <laughs> we mercy. <laughs> Fuck off. I'm not in a bad mood. I'm in a great mood. It's a beautiful day. It's been a fantastic week. I am feeling great. I did some work yesterday in Amsterdam. Uh, yesterday? Day before. Day before. On Sunday. I, uh, I just had a lovely weekend with a mate in Amsterdam. We went to the fucking Van Gogh Museum on uh, Friday. I flew in on Thursday after spending a day in York. I mean, look, listen to this, all this stuff that I've done. I've just had the best week in York. Me and my friend, I stayed with her parents. We went to the York Minster, which is like this old cathedral. It's one of the like best cathedrals in the UK in terms of like, you know, the size and how well it's been preserved. There's half the amount of existing medieval glass in all of England is in York Cathedral. It was built in, in like fucking 1200 or something insane like that. I think maybe it was started in, in like before 1066, like before William the Conqueror. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's a thousand years old, this fucking place. Um, we went there and I spent like three hours just wandering around and just breathing. Oh, the air in the cathedral. It's beautiful. You know what? I think I want to read the Bible, man. I think I, I really do. I think I just want to read the Bible. Like, I never actually read it. I think I lied to myself and said that I read it when I was in high school, and I didn't actually. I was just looking for the phrases in Leviticus that say that you can't be gay so that I could show those to my teachers and be like, huh? Look, I'm smarter than your religion. Are you going to say that I'm a good boy now because I found the bad bits? I don't know what my fucking problem with religion is. I think I just don't like authority. I think that's my thing, man. I just really don't do well with... I felt religion was always this thing that's like telling you what you can and can't do and you go to chapel and you fucking whatever. But as I get older, it's like, oh man, it's like a beautiful... I mean, it's an amazing thing that we have this book that was written by people. 2000... How long's the long... Old, the Long Testament. How, how... When was the Old Testament written? When... Let's find out... When was the Old Testament written? The Old Testament is the original Hebrew book, Bible, the sacred scriptures of the Jewish faith, written at different times between 1200 and 165 BC. Wow. And then the New Testament books were written by Christians in the first century AD. So the New Testament is 2,000 years old. The Old Testament is like 3,000 years old. And we have this book and it's been translated down through time for 3,000 years. And you can fucking read it. You can read what people had to say 3,000 years. It's insane. And we still, because like, it's not like some other 3,000-year-old text that you would have no context for or understanding of what it is. Because it's the Bible and it permeates our modern culture. So you have context for all these stories so you can read it and kind of understand what's going on. It's incredible. I, I'm actually really excited to read that. I think I might buy a copy of the Bible and, um, and try and read it and just see what's going on with it. You know, some people are trying to read Infinite Jest. Me? I'm going for the OG classics, all right? How long is the Bible? How is, you know what? Let's ask Google this. Is the Bible longer than infinite jest? 
Oh, it's not just going to give me the answer? You mean that's not a question that people ask? <laughs> um, is infinite jest longer than the Bible? The King James Bible has 783,000 words, only 35.6% longer than infinite jest. So there you go. Fuck you. I'm going to read the Bible and that's longer than infinite jest. And then when people are like, have you read infinite jest? I'm like, ah, have you heard of a little book called The Book? <laughs> the original book? Yeah, I'm reading that. Yeah. Ever heard of a little character called Jesus Christ? <laughs> well, what's the main character in Infinite Jest? Who fucking cares? Written 30 years ago? <laughs> no one cares. Oh, so yeah, we went to York Minster, man. It was beautiful. Just this old building. The medieval glass. So there was one part of it. The medieval glass was like there and it hadn't been cleaned or anything. And it was all dirty and fucking whatever. And then uh, I, I, I tacked on at the end of this little tour. You pay to get into the cathedral and then the tour's free if you can just catch them when they're walking around. So managed to jump on the end of this tour as this uh, lady who'd lived there and been touring the Minster since 1975. Oh, so cool, man. And uh, she was talking about this, yeah, the, the one pane of medieval glass that's I think it was from 1200 AD, so it's like 800 years old, but it was all dirty, and she was like, they can't clean it because it's too dirty, and at this point, like, maybe it's the dirt that's holding it together, and then, uh, but she was like, when you see the main window that's been cleaned, you'll see the difference, and then there's this big window that's been cleaned, and it was only unveiled in like, two th like 2018 or something, and um, it was cleaned to, at the cost of 20 million pounds. And this window, man, it's just incredible. And they said the guy who cleaned it, they cleaned it. I think it took them like 10 years or 13 years or something to clean. And the guy who did it, it was his point of pride that not a single piece of the stained glass was lost in the whole time that they were cleaning it. That's just insane to me. The le I, I was thinking about this yesterday, like uh, me and my friends in Paris, we had dinner and uh, one of my friends is a... Um, like a programmer or whatever. He works with the blockchain and stuff. And, uh, they're talking, he was talking about, let me, I'm going to butcher this explanation, but he was talking about, oh God. Oh fuck. What's fuck. All of my cords are getting fucking tangled up. Oh, there's some fucking cunt on a bike. God damn it. This is a fucking really, there was no benches that weren't on the main road, you know? Ugh. Um, man, I remember, uh, one of the people who's been listening to this for the longest time, I remember you said, uh, you really liked the podcast back when it was me walking around my grandparents' farm. I mean, I literally did that once or like walking around the streets when I started in 2017 and I was just walking around with my phone. Um, I wonder if this is like a close approximation of what it was like back then, you know, back to the original, <laughs> just like me in really uncomfortable situations trying to. <laughs> trying to uh, execute this thing that I've committed myself to doing with just absolutely not the correct equipment or setup or even a place to do it, you know? If that's what got you into this podcast, if you've been listening for the whole five years, welcome back, mate. We're here. We're back again to me trying not to be embarrassed as people walk past with me sitting on a bench in a graveyard with my fucking laptop out. Damn it. Um, anyway, sorry, what was I talking about? Um, 
Oh uh, yeah. So I was with my, <clears throat> my friends in Paris and, uh, one of them's a programmer and he was talking about how there are these programs that you can like, you can mathematically, I don't really understand this, but he said you can basically, there's like a mathematical proof that certain programs like, so like the, if there's like a program running the doors of a train or like running a train, like a driverless train. And the program takes care of like the train driving on the tracks and the speed and when it stops at the station and when the doors open and all this stuff. And he said, you can write a program and mathematically prove that the program will never open the doors when the train isn't at the station and things like that. So basically you can mathematically prove 100%, like prove that the doors will never be open in an unsafe position so that someone can fall out or whatever, like all these safety things and like stuff with planes and shit like that. And then we were talking about, like I was talking about the, I read this stuff about, you know, that telescope, what's the fucking telescope called? We all know, you know, the one, the one, it's not the Hubble, it's the new one that they just launched. And the pictures came out at the start of July of, of like looking back through time, like 14 billion light years away. So you can see like the, galaxies that were forming at the beginning of the universe or whatever. It's this incredible telescope and I love that. It's so cool, you know, that we can do that. And I read somewhere that there were like 113 different points in the launching and then like positioning of this thing where at any one of those points, there was like a failure point that it could, the, the whole thing could fail. And if it failed at any one of those 113 points, then it was fucked. And so they needed to get all of those right a hundred percent. And it just, it's so crazy to me. Like we were in the, I thought this was a really like a nice way that I made the point. Like we were sitting in this restaurant, um, like a bistro bar restaurant thing. And, uh, someone dropped a glass during our conversation. Like one of the, one of the servers dropped a glass and it smashed. And I was like, it's crazy to me that we can get that so exactly right when there's billions of dollars on the line because people make mistakes. I mean, that person over there just dropped a glass, you know, and people fuck up all the time, every day. And it's inevitable. I mean, it's a fact of life that you're going to make mistakes. And then we do shit like put this billions and billions worth of dollars of technology into a telescope and chuck it up in the atmosphere so that we can take pictures of the universe and there's 113 different places that it can go wrong. And we, and, and we've got one shot at it. It's incredible that we can get that right. And it's incredible that the guy who cleaned all of the, there's like hundreds of tiny little bits of stained glass in the main window of this minster in York. And the guy who cleaned them and all the people in his team, they didn't fuck up a single one. Not like we fucked up one, zero. It's just incredible, man. It's like the power of like, it's, it's really inspiring stuff when people put their mind to some shit and really want to do it and make sure that it's done right. It's amazing. It's, it's a really inspiring thing, you know, to know that if you actually try and give a fuck about something, you can make something great. And I mean, that's something that that guy who cleaned all of that glass, he gave his life to that. That was his thing for his life. I'm the dude who headed up the effort to at $20 million expense, clean the fucking 800 year old glass on the window of this beautiful cathedral in a town 
in England. I mean, that's not a bad thing to be able to say about your life, you know? I think that's so goddamn cool. <sighs> so, yeah. That was Wednesday. Um, oh, man, you know what? I've got a rash. <laughs> that's what I want to tell you guys about. i got a fucking rash over my whole goddamn body. It's, like, very mild. I think my skin's just dry. I've been looking at shit. I can't... I'm actually really excited to go home, you know? Like, I'm going to be... I've loved this trip. It's been amazing and I'm still enjoying it. It's not that I'm not enjoying it. I mean, I'm having great days and I've got great shows. By the way, if you're in the Netherlands or around Belgium, Luxembourg, I've got gigs in Rotterdam on Thursday at Comedy Club Hauch and Eindhoven on Friday at the Kettelhuis and on Saturday, Luxembourg with uh, David Alfie Ward, all three of those gigs. And those are my last gigs in Europe. And then I'm flying home uh, from Luxembourg on Sunday, which I'm very excited about. Because, yeah, it's been great. Like, the trip has been amazing. And I'm feeling a lot more relaxed now than I was a week ago after the Fringe and everything was crazy. But um, I am just, I'm looking forward to getting home, man. Like, and I've got, I've got this weird rash <laughs> that I've had for like a month ever since I got to Edinburgh. That's very mild. I just find myself itching a lot. And it's not even like it's red or anything. I don't know. If anyone's a doctor, fucking... <laughs> I mean, I'm excited to go home because I'm going to go to the doctor and just be like, Oi, bras, what do you reckon? <laughs> um, yeah, shit like that, you know? I mean, maybe I just need to moisturize. I don't really moisturize. Maybe I've got to start moisturizing. I think it's just that my skin's a little bit dry. And something about the weather out here has been making it dry. And I mean, I'm sure you guys don't really need to know about that. But, you know, I feel like one of the strengths of this podcast is it feels like you're hanging out with me. And uh, hanging out with me is an exercise in um, <laughs> dealing with inappropriate disclosures. <laughs> what's, uh, what's the most fucking inappropriate thing that you've told a friend recently? Do you want to tell it to me and I'll share it on the podcast? Oh, <laughs> uh, this is a good one, actually. Um, uh, a listener recently, someone who actually often, you know, I mean, if you guys want to fucking say some stuff to me, I'll say it on the podcast, you know. I like when people say things. And at the moment, uh, there's a couple people who have been, like, telling me things I feel like in the last six months, I've had like a few people write. It's not like I'm getting a bunch of stuff that I don't say. Everything, pretty much everything anyone says to me that's relevant to the podcast. I mean, like there's 54 here. Do you know what I mean? You will get on the podcast. <laughs> um, and I, I got this message. I forgot to read this out last week. So um, from the set that I did when I swapped socks with that lady. Um, and I was asking, oh no, sorry. It was the week before when I was asking people, when's the last time you cried? Someone messaged me this. Um, <clears throat> I was thinking of the, when's the last time you cried question. And mine was when someone was explaining interest rates and mortgage loan serviceability to me. Three laughing, crying faces. I legit, I legit had a full breakdown over it. And now it's a distant memory last week and a very funny to me. Ha ha ha. So, I mean, yeah, that's a great, that's a great time to have cried. Uh, interest rates and mortgage loan services. That's fucking awesome, isn't it? <laughs> it just, it's like too serious. Someone's like, so what you need to do with your money is like interest rates are going up. So that's scary. So like you're going to need, you know, if you've got a mortgage, I mean, what, wait, what is mortgage serviceability? What? Oh, I just deleted it. Oh God. Wait, I'll undelete it. 
Mortgage loan serviceability. You know, I don't know what that is. Mortgage loan serviceability. Oh my god. <laughs> my phone my phone misheard me and it, it wrote in daddy's mortgage line serviceability. <laughs> and it came oh it's almost a fucking uh uh, uh uh what's it called? A Google bang or whatever, a Google shaloo, you know when you get one result. I got two results. I got one, zero comments, and the other one, uh, Volkswagen, and then all in Cyrillic script. Let's go onto this Reddit page. Zero comments. Okay, no, nah, it's nothing. Whatever. Um, mortgage loan serviceability. Not mortgage line, you fucking... Uh, loan. Loan... Fucking, this isn't going to be funny at all. I feel like this is a real dead end. ING Home Loans, calculate your fleur In simple terms, serviceability refers to the ability of someone to make repayments on a loan according to the size of the loan and the person's income and expenses. The factors that define serviceability vary between financial institutions. Okay, so I guess if someone was having interest rates and mortgage loan serviceability explain to them basically what was happening is someone was going hey guess what interest rates are going up so you're fucked <laughs> yeah i'd probably cry about that too to be fair um yeah i mean if anyone's got any private stuff they want to just close you know on the podcast send it in um or if you've just got anything that you want read out on the podcast at all feel free to send that in as well you know I'm trying to I'm trying to create a community. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about a community. I just want people to talk to me. Um, and then I got less time to think about what I have to say on the podcast. If you guys write in, you know, it's like easier for me. So that'd be cool. If you care about me. All right, I'll stop. So uh, Wednesday, York, beautiful. Thursday, Amsterdam. Friday, I've just done so much great stuff this week, man. So on Friday, me and a friend were in Amsterdam. I met up with her. Hadn't seen her in a few years. We uh, spent the weekend together. Went to the Van Gogh Museum. Oh, incredible, man. I didn't know shit about Van Gogh. Everyone knows that shit about how he cut his ear off and sent it to a prostitute. I mean, he was losing his mind at that point. That's not even the... He started... He started... I always, when I, I, what I love about going to museums is I guess I just like to plot my own artistic development and my courses, at, like, in my career against these famous artists, which is a very uh, narcissistic exercise, isn't it? But it's just nice. It's inspiring to see someone else's artistic journey. And I think a good museum, I think that's what I like in a museum. Like, sure, the, the paintings, whatever, but I like an exhibition that tells a story of someone's life and puts all the pieces into context because like, you know, one piece here and there, sure. I just don't find it that interesting. I want the story. I want to know about the person and the life and what led them to create these works and stuff. I don't know if that's a modern way of viewing art. Like maybe we care too much about the person now rather than the, the artwork itself. What do you reckon? I'm not sure. I'm, the, I'm, I'm, I'm basing that on absolutely nothing. Is that a modern perspective on the boob? <laughs> As if I've read a single book about it ever. Um, yeah, man, the Van Gogh Museum. So he started when he was 27. He started painting. 
Um, he used to work in a uh, an art dealer, and his brother was an art dealer. So I guess he had a bit of an in into the world. But he started painting, and he just went for it. He just decided, you know, he's just like, that's it. I'm committing my life to this thing, <clears throat> and uh, and was just prolific in the amount of effort and and work that he put into it. He developed really quickly, and I guess he already had the background, so he kind of knew where he was going with it, and. He died when he was 37, I think, so he practiced for like 10 years. He died in uh, 1890, I want to say. Maybe practiced for like 10 years or fucking, yeah, something like that. A decade. Incredible. Um, And they didn't even have Starry Night, which is the one that everyone knows, but they had some amazing works. Apparently the, uh, sunflowers is like a big work of his. I didn't really get that. I really loved the one that I loved. I'm not going to be able to tell you what it's called, but he started losing his mind and, uh, he checked himself in to the sanatorium, um, for insane people. I think that's what that is. And, uh, they don't really know what was wrong with him, but like he knew that he was sick and, uh, it was like maybe schizophrenia or something. I, I can't remember. Oh, that could be wrong. But this one painting that he did while he was at the sanatorium, I thought was just incredible because he's got the distinctive style, the Van Gogh, the heavy lines, um, the painting, I'll try and describe it. It's, uh, like a red ground, like at the Australian desert and on the bottom right, there's like a, a small, area like maybe one eighth of the painting is like enclosed by a wall and there's two people in there it's like a courtyard and there's two people standing next to each other in the courtyard and they're looking out it looks like they're kind of looking out they're like walking together maybe they're not even looking out but they're just kind of walking together in this little courtyard area and it's enclosed and it looks nice it doesn't have a red ground it's got like a blue like you know maybe like a tiled or cement ground it looks like it's inside the walls of the thing and then outside of this little wall the ground's red there's like a wooden bench there's trees kind of gnarled trees growing in the ground and there's a the sky is like yellow and blue and there's mountains in the distance and that's most of the painting is that and then there's just this little area in the bottom right and outside of the walls on the red ground there is another lone figure wearing like a coat like a black coat. You can just see his hands. He's a very faint figure. You can just see a naked hand and a bit of the face. And he's wearing like a hat as well. And he's walking around in this desolate landscape outside the walls. And there's just a lonely bench there. And it looks as if the two people that are inside the walls, maybe they're not watching the figure outside the walls, but they're there. So the figure outside the walls, he's alone in this kind of desolate landscape but not quite alone because there's two people there watching him. But then all of the trees, that's like the bottom kind of third of the painting. And then the top two thirds is the sky and the trees. And all of the leaves of the trees are like, it's almost like they're emanating vaguely from the lone figure outside. And it's like, I've, I looked at it, it's like an, it's an explosion. It's so violent. It looks like there's all this... It's like the, it's like violence and chaos and disorder in most of the painting, except for in the tiny little bit in the bottom right, which is just this, this kind of safe, calm, like the blue floor rather than the red, the two figures that they're like kind of authority or they're like careful watching or something like that. And then outside is just complete disorder. And it kind of seems as if 
the lone figure there is Van Gogh, and he's like, he's outside, and he's around all of this chaos, and there are still people inside watching over him, but it feels like he's kind of drifting away, and he's walking towards them, he's trying to get back, but he's lost. Yeah. I just, I fucking loved it. I put, took a photo of it. I'll, I'll post it to the Instagram. Tell me what you think. I really fucking loved it, man. And, um, I mean, it says, oh, he, oh it's called De Twin. Oh, it's called De Twin. Oh, I couldn't tell you. Colors something. Um, it's called The Garden something. Uh, the, the explanation is cut off in my little photo. But, uh, something in the exhibition that they were talking about was like his use of color and uh, the way that colors are kind of like a visual language. He always wrote about how colors were like language and you can say what you want to say through the use of color and colors against each other and how Van Gogh used color to communicate the things that he wanted. And I think that is, fuck, sorry, there's a fucking mosquito. This fucking graveyard, man. Oh, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Oh, you are so fucking dead, cunt. <laughs> His use of color. <laughs> oh God. Um, <laughs> it was really big. Oh, I can't. I think I'm gonna shave my head. <laughs> That's neither here nor there, but I think I'm going to. I think I want to shave my head. Oh, I missed it. Damn it. I want to shave my head because I'm going bold, and I don't know. I feel like I'm ready. I think that'd be fine. That's something I'm going to do when I get home. You know what I'm going to do when I get home? I'm going to shave my fucking head the first day that I get home. Um, and then I'm going to, uh, I'm going to buy some like beard oil and maybe I'm going to try and grow a beard. Wouldn't that be cool? You know what? That's the title for this week's podcast. Maybe I'm going to try and grow a beard. Yes. Um, <laughs> Um, Van Gogh was talking about the use of color and I don't know what I was going to say about it. I guess that it's just in that, you know, the red symbolizes the chaos and the blue is calm of the floor. And it's just a beautiful painting, man. And, and, um, that was towards the end of the exhibition and you have the context through the exhibition that he's going crazy. You know that he killed himself in the end. Um, and it's getting towards the end. And like that was, I can't even see what year it was painted in, but I feel like maybe that was 89 or 90. That was like around when he was about to die and you know that he's going crazy. And so, yeah, fucking amazing. And then that night, oh, we went to, um, we went to this, uh, place called Pastai, uh, this Italian restaurant in Amsterdam and had the best fucking meal that I have had all trip. I'll post pictures of this too, man. I had a focaccia with olive oil. Uh, and then a burrata. Oh, I love burrata. And then these uh, uh, gnocco fritto, which is like fried gnocchi, but it's not gnocchi. It's uh, it's it's bread, like little triangles of puffed up bread, fried with uh, like jamón serrano. What do you call that? Um, uh, what do you call it again? Uh, that fucking thinly sliced. Italian and Spanish ham. Oh, what's it? Prosciutto. Thank you. Um, and then for mains, I had gnocchi with um, this like sausage meat stuff that was like kind of fried. It was beautiful. And my friend had a uh, truffle. Um, what are the little packets of pasta called again? 
it's pasta, but with the little bits of meat inside of it, ravioli. Um, just a phenomenal meal. I'll post photos of that on the Instagram too. Why the fuck not? Huh? Why not? Why not? I can do it. And then on Saturday, uh, did a show on Friday night. And then Saturday, did another show. Um, oh, we rode bikes to Harlem from our um, accommodation in Kuga and Dazan. An hour to Harlem on the bikes. An hour, just over an hour. Walked around Harlem, Saturday market. And then rode my bike back. I, wa- I watched my boys, Tottenham Hotspur, beat Fulham. 2-1, very tense game. Went to a Spurs pub, sat with a bunch of other Spurs supporters and... Watched that game, which was awesome, and then uh, did my spot. And then after that, went to dinner and then went to this jazz bar. And that was like the last thing that we were like, definitely want to do this. We want to go to this jazz bar that my friend had heard of. And it was this tiny little dive bar. And there were five guys. It was a double bass, uh, piano, guitar, drums, and saxophone, all crammed onto this tiny stage. Met another friend there. So there was three of us. We sat at a table with these two guys. They were chatting. That was really nice. We're talking to them and just the fucking jazz, man. Like it was, um, I guess they were just improvising. I guess I've never really been to anything like that before where, I mean, I don't know how, well, I don't know how jazz works or what they were doing, but I guess they were just like start with some little melody or some little kind of idea and then just go and each take solos, but like really long solos and just see what they could do. And it kind of felt like, uh, my friend who was there, who was, um, is a sound engineer. Um, and so works a lot with musicians and everything. Um, said she, she thought it was kind of like musical edging. Like it's, it's like it never, you never quite reach, um, like a resolution, you know? you never quite reach the just like safety or familiarity of like the end of the idea. They're always trying to take it somewhere new. And that's kind of how I felt about it as well. I didn't, musical edging was her, um, that was her phrase or no, what did she say? Long form edging. Um, but yeah, I just, it feels like maybe what they're trying to do is like at every point they're trying to change the sound I think I just got one of the mosquitoes on my leg there. Fuck you. They're trying to change the sound to like, you know, like, uh, like if you play two notes, inevitably there's like another note that's going to suggest itself. And they're always trying to go away from the note that suggests itself to create something new. And so the result is this ongoing kind of like, this is new and now this is new and now this isn't what you expected and this and this and this in every moment pushing you. It was like, it was always surprising. You know, I guess that's what it is. Like, it was almost meditative, like, to really just kind of stop and listen. Like, I, I I, guess it didn't... I wouldn't say it necessarily sounded, like, good or, like, pleasing or relaxing. But to just sit there and listen to it, like, we weren't talking. I was... I had my eyes closed for half of it. I mean, I was really tired, but, like... To fucking listen to these guys just play and play together... Um, oh, there was one moment, that's right, I don't know what conjured this up in my mind, but there was like, because sometimes, you know, some of them would play or wouldn't play, like the double bass soloing is really hard to hear, even when we're so close to the stage, because it's just like, 
it's really low and it's kind of soft and fuzzy, the sound of it. It doesn't cut through the rest of the sound. And uh, when it was the double bass soloing, it was just him and the drums playing and like a little bit of the guitar. But Oh, that's another thing my friend said that apparently when you're playing jazz like that, the idea is that all of the instruments are supposed to blend in together. They don't, no one is over any of the others. They should all be kind of equally audible. And they did that really well. And I guess the, the kind of sound or the, the timber, timbre, whatever the tone or the fucking the you know the texture of each of those like saxophone keys guitar uh double bass and drums all kind of sounds a bit different so you can like identify all of them amongst the others um but so they all kind of blend together in one sound but there were different parts where like different you know instruments would stop playing and whatever and there was one moment when the i think it was the guitar was soloing and the piano was accompanying and there was just the drums and maybe the double bass was playing, but I couldn't, that was just like a little bit of a kind of bass, you know, like a foundation, but the saxophone wasn't playing and the guitar was soloing. And then the piano was like following the guitar. Like they were doing this thing for a bit where the guitar would play a few licks and not every time, but like fairly regular, like sometimes the guitar would just be soloing and the piano wouldn't follow. But in this particular moment, the piano was following and I had my eyes closed and it started to feel like the guitar was going into these new spaces and the piano would always follow after it. And it was like the guitar was like a person or was like us entering into a new room and trying to find somewhere to be alone. And then the guitar was like following afterwards. It was like... Oh, sorry, the piano was like following afterwards. Like, oh no, I'm coming with you. And it's like, all right, the guitar's like, what about in this room? And the piano's like, no, oh, oh yeah, I'm here too. And it was kind of unsettling, but it was also nice. It was like comforting to know that there was always someone with you. But then also at some points, it's like, maybe I want to be by myself, you know? But I don't want to be alone. I want to discover this new room by myself. But then the piano's there and it's like a relief, but also annoying. I don't know, man. <laughs> that's what was, that's the image that was in my head. Um, and then it went away. I mean, it didn't go anywhere. Nothing happened. It was just that, you know, it was amazing. That was really amazing. Listening to those guys play. I had a little chat to them out, like outside afterwards. I had, I didn't have the courage to sit there and actually chat to them. I saw them and I was just like, you guys, it was amazing. And I just, I was like, I'm a comedian. So like <laughs> I had to tell them. <laughs> I'm a comedian. I was like, I feel like it's, you know, kind of similar, but I guess what you guys are doing is like, you're working together to try and find a new thing. And, uh, it was really inspiring to me because I feel like sometimes on stage, I don't have the courage to go for the new thing. And it's like, I said to them, you know, you really have to trust that the audience is going to be there with you because the audience need to listen to follow the development of these ideas. And if they don't listen, if they're talking and not fully paying attention, then like, you know, it's just going to be meaningless. Um, so it's like a really cool thing to be able to have the courage to just go, you know what, we're going to develop this idea and trust that you guys are going to come and follow with us so that you have like an understanding of where we've been and then you can enjoy it on the same level that we are as we create it. And I said that to them and they were just like, yeah, I don't know, man. I think, uh, we don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, we don't really care if the audience are there with us. Like we just care for each other. If we can do it together and kind of achieve that thing that we're trying to achieve. It's not, if the audience doesn't come with us, well, then that's not our problem.
and I thought that was really nice. <laughs> and, uh, and I wonder if there's a way that I could achieve that in my stand-up, you know, to have something be there for the audience to follow if they want, and then if they don't want, though, it doesn't really matter. Wouldn't that be amazing? <sighs> anyway, I think that's for... Uh, I think that's for me to try and find out. I've been thinking, I'm fucking, I'm going long today, aren't I? I've been thinking about, um, on stage, like trying to create a better connection with the audience. Cause I think that's something that I lack. I think I was talking about that last week. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. I think I'm running out of steam. Look, I hope you guys are having a great week. Hey, uh, what was I going to call this podcast again? I was going to call it, maybe I'm going to grow a beard. <laughs> I'll go back and check if those are the exact words that I used. What's the picture for this week? The picture for this week will be someone... Oh, yeah, picture of this guy taking a photo of the Van Gogh Museum, which is fine, but he fucking... Man, he was so close to the painting. I just... So many people were taking photos, and it kind of annoyed me. And it shouldn't. I mean, what do I care? But, like, can you just enjoy the fucking museum? There were people, like, I took a couple photos of paintings, but, like, some people were just walking around and just taking photos of all the paintings and not even looking at them. It's like, why are you fucking here? What is this for you? Ugh, yuck. Whatever, I mean, it shouldn't matter to me. It's just We all have our own experiences, don't we? And some people's experiences are wrong. <laughs> That's going to be the photo for this week. This guy taking a photo of the fucking thing. Anyway, I think that's enough from me. If you've liked this and to any new listeners, I know we've got a few after the fringe. If you're still listening, thank you. Um, go review the podcast on Apple, on iTunes, on Spotify or wherever you're listening to it. Five stars, please. If you're still listening, this is five stars. If you're not listening, then you're not listening, you know. But if you're still listening to this, I reckon this is fucking, that's a five star review from you. And uh, other than that, man, I hope you're having a great week. Stay chill, do your thing, and I'll catch you next week. This has been Aiden Jones, sitting under a tree. Peace.